When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hackintoshes on a laptop, from what I gather, are very hard. I always wanted to do that too. A Hackintosh seems yeah. fun. Does that, does that seem fun? Is that what it seems? Fun is subjective. Hella subjective. <laughs> More subjective than I thought. Do you like brain teasers? Do you like brain teasers that could potentially break your computer? Mm. Yes, thousand yes. thousand yes, dollar I brain do. teaser. I've got a bit of a riddle for you. <laughs> riddle me this, Batman. I've installed two operating systems on my computer. Why does Zoom not work anymore? <laughs> <laughs> So Lorna is gliding up those stairs and I I think uh, we'll move as she kind of moves up this staircase. uh, Her and her drowned sailors, those who are closest to her, move as though they are completely unperturbed by the rushing water moving down these narrow staircases. As she has circumvented uh, the barricades that were set up, she's able to move and flow easily into the city. Jonnet is, I think, looking at a rung that is closest to the town square. And there is this main kind of thoroughfare that moves from the town square through this mercantile district, then a a brief like intermixed residential district, and finally to the dock area where the sky ships are located. So she is coming into uh, this mercantile district, sort of severing the flow between the town square and the Uhuru. And I think quickly she confronts a group of civilians who are moving with Uhuru pirates towards the Uhuru. And she flicks her hands and water flicks off of her fingertips and cuts through the air. And we can see that it is flying through the air like knives as she makes an attack against the crew of the Uhuru. And uh, we'll, we'll call it the civilians as well. <laughs> but what if it like wasn't the civilians? What Could if it was not. nobody? I mean, if, if you would like to uh, put more members of the crew of the Uhuru at risk, if they are literally willing to dive into the way of an attack oh. to save civilians, we can do that. Oh, moral questions. No, uh, later. <laughs> do it. 
<laughs> okay, we got one one vote to not do it, one vote to do it. Liz, you're the tiebreaker. Uh, abstain. Uh. Abstain. <laughs> Okay, so that's a that's a 50-50 there, so I just need to roll an even odd result on a die. <laughs> oh man. There James? needs to be more dice rolling in politics. James, did you <laughs> not have your dice with you? Well, I mean, I have my uh, you know, Genesis dice prepared. I didn't have my mundane dice prepared. Uh mundane. so I'm going to roll this. Uh it is an even result. I think that means uh the members of the crew, the Uhuru, are very seriously taking stewardship of this town into account, and they are willing to risk their lives to protect these people. So I am going Let's to... get a new crew. Yeah. Well, it'll be easy to get a new crew because yep. the old crew yeah. is putting themselves in harm's way. So I am That's going to increase the Uhuru death chart range uh, to 40, but... Uh, <laughs> Civilians will not be impacted by this attack. I am going to roll. Um, I mean, you mean ever through this whole thing or just... Uh, no, no, this, this particular attack. Like, you can decide blow by blow. Yeah, uh, you know, maybe Timmy the Lips isn't uh, the type to really put himself at risk, but Wise Willie is. So, you know, we, we, we figure that out as we move. Holy shit. Uh, that's a wild fucking roll from Lorna. She really kicks some ass. That is four successes. Ooh. <laughs> nothing, nothing else. Um, so that means that is essentially four rolls against the Uhuru death chart. So I just have wow. to... Ah! It's only a forty percent chance. It is. It is more than zero. So it's more than thirty. I just need to roll. It's more than thirty-nine. Four D percentiles. Holy shit! What a great roll for the Uhuru. Eighty-two, <laughs> seventy, eighty-seven, eighty-one. Oh None God. of those kill any members of the Uhuru crew, which is great. <laughs> so the, these water knives are flying through the air and pirates bravely brace themselves against these knives. And I, I think this is a moment where we reveal that uh, some members of the Uhuru crew have probably faced mariners before in their past, and they are familiar with attacks like this. They raise the broadsides of their scabbards and, and coats up against this, and I, I think the water impacts, and you can see if it was flesh, they would have been torn open, but the leather of their scabbards and coats, that tough leather, is, is torn as the water hits them and they stumble backwards, but it does not injure them. These grim-faced pirates draw their sabers and ready themselves to fight. And just so we have a name to put to these pirates, I am going to do a quick roll. 
Toku. Hey. Toku is leading <laughs> this particular group of pirates. What's Toku's weapon look like, Tyler? Ooh. Uh, yeah. I feel like it's just like, like uh, I don't know what that's, that's, that sword is called. It's it's like a curved, a very curved blade. Um, oh, it's scimitar. very elegant. C- thank you. One more time. Oh, yeah, scimitar. scimitar. Totally yeah, so cool. it's it, it's very it's very elegant. It's very beautiful. It's incredibly deadly. Twice he's so good in the kitchen, man. He loves <laughs> knives. Good with knives. I, um, I love this. Uh, scimitar is like, especially in film. I, I don't know how much this remains true for scimitar actual fighting styles, but like whenever anybody has a scimitar, they always start the fight by doing these sick scimitar tricks. Uh, you know, like yes. like a butterfly knife trick display, but with a Ooh, big yes. sword. So I think instead of bracing against his scabbard, Toku just like does these scimitars tricks and like cuts the water blade in half. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, Lorna looks with with a grim face as she gestures to her drowned sailors to move forward and meet the Uhuru crew in a fight. So swords start crashing there. Lorna looks down the winding alleyway and looking like as though she is staring through buildings, looks exactly in Jonnet's direction. Just laser uh. focused in. Stop looking. And like, <laughs> because uh, she is looking, yeah, as <laughs> I think Tyler Stop would say, it. like, yeah, the biggest threat is that anyone looks at Jonnet. Um <laughs> We, we, we can now see Lalorna's face more clearly. Her skin was clearly darker in life, but like she has a death-faced pale as though blood has drained from her body. She looks withered and disheveled in this, this torn white dress, uh, and she wears a veil. But through that veil, we can see on her face her eyes uh, have tears running down them in a permanent tear-stained kind of rictus. Her mouth is opened in this unearthly grin, and her eyes are blind. She has long nails that really add like a dramatic flair to this torn dress. She is a terrifying ghostly presence. With that, I want to, Liz, have you control uh, the ship in the sky right yes. now. I was about to ask Dio, if you could do that. Please tell me what they're up to. How many boats are in the harbor? Are all five there? So there are uh, right now immediately landed. There are two in the harbor. You can uh, probably like I, I won't make a perception check. I think on the horizon you can see the ghostly blue-green lights uh, of whatever flames allow the mariners to see through storm and dark in the distance. They are gathered at what would be the mouth to this cove if Nordia wasn't flooded. 
they haven't crossed whatever area that would allow them into the bay because like we said earlier there is kind of this natural land defense that is preventing larger ships from getting in but they are lined up with their broadsides facing nordia presumably to fire with cannons okay they're just gonna do a ranged attack with the cannons cool Um, Let's see. We have three named characters on this particular boat. One, two, and three. So you get three yellow dice uh, to this attack. I am going to say it is at long range. Uh, So this is going to be a hard check, though cannons do a sick amount of damage. That's three. Um, So, yeah, it's three yellow versus three purple with one black die because the crew has one black die. Okay. And I can't adjust that with my own stats, correct? No, you you can't adjust it. The the, the crew is just kind of on their own. The crew is the crew. All right, let's see. Oh, that is just one success. Hey, hey! that's good enough, though. Good enough. Um, Right now, there are a lot of the people who have boarded this ship. Like, I think the main named characters, Nodos and Wendell, are responsible for shoveling coal into this furnace. The Il Dio has a couple things moving against it. One is they don't have a full feather weave sail. Featherweave, I think, is fairly water resistant. It is like kind of a dense fabric, even though it is very light. It it resists water and does not get waterlogged very much. Il Sanguidio has sails that are designed to use as little feather weave as possible, which means that the canvas or whatever other material is starting to get waterlogged, which means even more coal needs to get shoveled into that fire to keep it aloft. So the biggest, strongest characters are really hell-bent on shoveling that coal. Slam, who is also a big, strong boy, is manning the helm right now. Yeah. Uh, so, so can't help with that. And all of the various unnamed pirates that are part of this operation are working on manning those cannons below deck on loading up different cannons. I, I think they've done a thing where they're loading a rotation of cannons. Uh, cannons get lined up to be fired and then swapped out for a fresh cannon, which is a difficult operation and really threatens this ship for being lopsided, which is playing hell on what they need to do uh, directing the furnaces and at the helm. Uh, But they've managed to stabilize the ship enough for their first volley. The ship rocks and you can hear a ringing of the heart bell as it is thrown off of its center axis as like it just moves with the impact of that cannon shot. The cannonballs sail through the air, cutting through rain and wind to hit the side of the Mariner's ship directly on this large ship, hitting its broadsides, splintering the waterlogged and rotten wood aboard the ship everywhere. We can see many drowned sailors are impacted by this. And we can also see a dark presence shrouded in shadows standing aboard this ship, looking out 
across the waters towards Nordia as uh, chunks of wood sail past his face and over his shoulder. I don't think we can really see the Mariner in full relief, but he like shifts his gaze slightly and we know that Il Sanguidio has been noticed. Uh, we can see from the Mariner's perspective the faint red glow of the few patches of weave aboard this ship has been detected as, as he stares up. This dealt a good amount of damage, like like 10-11 damage to this ship. Um, so I think that is a, a good impact. Uh, there is no cheering aboard Il Sanguidio. Everyone is enmeshed in the mission that they have in front of them. Even though their strikes hit true, they will need more cannon fire in order to uh, make a real dent and survive this night. So immediately they start pulling and rolling cannons away and rolling new ones into place to fire the next volley. With this, I want to know, Johnny, Hmm? before we get to Travis's turn, I want to know where the birds are. Oh, was I was I with them or do you? I, I just uh, I we had Liz control and cannons, uh, so I, I just want to kind of spread out responsibility of communal assets. Okay, I'll take the birds. I, I thought I thought for a second it was like you had these birds with you. Where where did they go? And <laughs> what did you do to the birds? Important. You lost your birds. Um, I think that they might be kind of like doing patrol flights. Maybe maybe circling around either the Uhuru or like um, where some more vulnerable civilians might be, or maybe split up. So like one around the Uhuru, one around like some area of the city where uh, vulnerable civilians are, and maybe one going back and forth to like if they need to be at one place to help out. Ah. Uh. I really, really like that uh, because that means what the birds are essentially doing for most of this fight is facilitating communication between different like segments of the Uhuru. It means that even though Ryan Lochte kind of went rogue a little bit, leading this diversion, the rest of the crew knows about it. And they're probably communicating. I think there are different colored flares that they're waving to oh. communicate, like, specific information so it can be seen from the sky. Uh, so with that, I'm going to say anything, any action that you're trying to do that would depend or be aided by eyes in the sky, everybody is just going to get a blue die because these birds are in the mix. Um With that, let's turn to Travis. Travis, you have just been washed down the staircase, separated from Margaret, though you know you managed to, like, get her out of this situation. But you are now surrounded by drowned sailors, and you have to somehow rally with the troops. You can either try to ascend this staircase once more, which just has a lot of water rushing down it, or you can fight your way out or do whatever. I'm curious to see what Travis is going to do. So how many boys are there? A Uh, lot? Around you right now, there is a 
goodly amount of boys, one thing to keep in mind is just a small contingent of them broke off in order to chase you and Margaret. A lot of them were funneling themselves towards the main staircase or Lalorna's reverse waterfall. I feel like I got to fight through them. And maybe Margaret can go the that top way and I can go just kind of through and we can we can regroup. Yeah, that's true. If you are able to kind of fight and sneak your way through the back line, you will be able to rendezvous with Gable where they are fighting on the main staircase. Great. And then I can kill them. Yep. And you can finally kill them, uh, kind of ending the game final boss style. That's got to oh, be yeah. how it ends though, right? Yeah. These Eventually. Two- well, how did Hancock end? <laughs> <laughs> They, to watch this movie. They flew away, right? I, I they, honestly don't remember. <laughs> I saw Hancock uh, like listed uh, on this list of movies uh, that were featuring Black Joy, and I was like, "Was it Hancock? Kind of a big bummer." Was it like the message of that movie that like his faded love he can never be around? It, it was wild. The whole movie, it, he was very sad. I think. Yeah, he he nailed the anti-hero shit. Oh man, I need to I need to watch that movie again because I remember I remember loving that movie for like two thirds of it, and then once it got into like the actual mechanics of their love and their powers, yeah. I was like, I'm now iffy on this. It, but like, it became yeah. significantly more complicated than it needed to be. It, yeah, it really yeah. did. It, it kind of started out as like, oh, this is a superhero who's like fallen on hard times and is not doing his best. And then like somebody reminds him, hey, you should do good. And then he starts doing good. And then it gets fucking weird and up its own ass. That sounds like the screenwriter was also like a fantasy author. It's like, mm. I will <laughs> trick you with my superhero movie. And then yes. I will make this a sci-fi spectacular. <laughs> it, it's like... It's like if in Into the Spider-Verse, they were like, Peter B. Parker needs more. He needs more. <laughs> like right at the end. Like with, with minimal, like right before the final uh, Venom strike. It's like, what? <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, let's all watch... Let's all watch Hancock. Okay, I would do uh, that. That's now homework for us and everyone in the audience. No, together. Let's watch it together. That would be very. That's not homework. That's a treat. What if we all watched Hancock and did like a reaction podcast uh, as some bonus content? (laughs) That would be very funny. Hey Heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Heroes, we are incredibly close to our Kickstarter for the first volume of the Skyjack soundtrack. Skyjack's Call of the Sky. We're launching on September 8th, but there is still time to get ready. Right now, you can head to bit.ly slash callofthesky.ks, that's Call of the Sky, the letter K, and the letter S, 
to reach our preview page, where you can select to be notified as soon as the project launches. We're hoping to get as many people to follow the project as possible, so we're doing a little bit of incentivizing. Right now, we have around 365 followers, and if we manage to hit 420 followers by Friday this week, I'll spend some time on Friday doing luminary readings for folks on Twitter. I already did a round of these so far. It's very simple. You respond to one of my tweets with a question for the luminaries, and I will do a reading and a short video for you on what that reading means. So if you're at all curious about what your future might hold and want some insight from the luminaries, head to bit.ly slash callofthesky.ks and follow the Kickstarter to get us over that 420 mark. And get ready for Tuesday, September 8th, when we hit the launch button on Kickstarter. Heroes, I want to take a quick moment and thank our backers on Patreon. We are currently between thank you lists, and we're generating a new one soon. So, if you've been listening for a while and you enjoy the show, and you'd like to hear your name on air, I encourage you to head over to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast to sign up to become one of our Patreon backers. Our backers are the reason the show exists. They pay for the cast, the music, the editing, and everything else that goes into making Skyjacks what it is. And if you decide to be a part of that by sending us $2 a month or more, I'll take some time to thank you personally on air. So a huge thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon now, and everyone who's going to support us in the future. Now with all of that out of the way, let's get back to the show. Okay, I'm going to try and fight these boys, I guess, is where, where we landed. Cool, cool. In the game. <laughs> so I'll, I'll yeah. figure out how Hancock ends later. Travis <laughs> is badly outnumbered, but he's also the first up right now. I, I think whatever you do, you are going to get a blue die to it because they are kind of moving sluggishly and scrambling to get up, and you're full of that adrenaline right now. Okay. So what? Okay, let's see. I guess I'll I'll take out my gun. Okay, so the slug pistol. I'm just going to, I guess. <laughs> no, they're made of salt. They're salt water. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, and are, these are, these are, I would assume, mi minions, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so I'm just going to, I'm just going to start um, trying to plow through these boys. So my slug pistol is ranged light you're at close range so you're going to be rolling against one purple die okay oh that's pretty good for me so that will be five successes and holy two shit advantages. wow holy wow. shit there he is travis uh, could do a fight Looking at that uh, slug thrower, Johnny, I need to ask you, what is the crit range on it? Crit four. Crit four. Crit four. Okay. So it, it's not a critical hit, but it is. Uh, what's the damage on it? Six. Six. Okay. So you do 11 damage here. I'll uh, allow it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, 
if possible, I kind of, I'm not trying to, I don't think, take down all these boys. I'm trying to take down enough boys that I can get out of the boys. I like this a lot. Um, so we had, uh, in previous uh, combats, you had described that Travis holds a gun like Voldemort holds a wand, which is mm-hmm. something that I love. And we know that you're the sort of martial art style that you cobbled together over a like two human lifetimes of experience being on the run in a chaotic and terrible world is like savat the french martial art that involves a lot of kicking and was developed specifically for ships on surfaces rocking back and forth so you are in this chaotic situation you find your legs very quickly you draw your gun you of the five people around you you are going to be able to kill three of them what does that look like please describe us through the situation where Travis is a little bit John wicking these people. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that Travis sees like where he needs to go to get out of uh, like being surrounded. So basically the three sailors who are blocking the way, uh, I think first he kind of like swings his arm like back around and gets the one on the far left. So he he kind of falls down. I think I love the thing where um, in uh, your John's Wick and other movies like that, they like <laughs> grab the the body that they have just disposed and kind yeah. of use it as a shield. I like that uh, too. <laughs> so I think he like swings his arm around, gets that one, spins and grabs the body so that he's facing the the guy who was on the far right shoots that one and then turns to the middle kind of pushes the body that he was holding towards the middle guy to like unsteady him and then shoots him oh that rules yeah so like you move your way across this beach taking down people and using bodies to defend yourself and basically create an opening for yourself. And you have the difficult task ahead of you of looking further down the beach you can see this procession of drowned sailors crossing the area where the water has been stopped for the bridge and moving towards the main staircase uh, where you can see Gable and uh, other crew members of the Uhuru uh, standing strong on the staircase fighting against this tide of incoming sailors. You will need to kind of move through those back ranks undetected uh, and get there. Otherwise, you're pretty much easily going to be overwhelmed. Uh, What does Travis do? So can I ask what time of day it is? Uh, So it is probably like afternoon or early evening one of the things that's difficult to tell is there is so much cloud cover it has been gray and dark the whole day and what little light is coming through with like a red sun so 
there's just not a lot of light to go by, and the best visibility you have is when lightning strikes. So I want to try something, and I don't think it will work. Okay. Do it. it. Love it. it. (laughs) Love it. I want to try and transform. Oh, Oh, yes. But no. Beast Wars. But. but I don't think, I mean, I don't think it'll work. I don't think it'll work. But But I want to try. I, I mean, I really like this a hell of a lot. Uh, oh yeah <laughs> I mean like walking through the steps to this you know Travis has avoided trying to transform in the past because of this trauma related to an involuntary transformation that kind of led to him being separated from Margaret when she drowned in the river and you just had therapy for that and kind of on top of having a few successes doing minor versions of it through Jonathan's encouragement earlier on. This is a big moment. So you have this moment where, yeah, it is probably going to be safest and easiest if you change into a snake real quick. But this is going to be a very difficult thing. I think this is a daunting check. Uh, I can't remember... Is that three purple? That's four purple. Four purple. Um, okay. So I can't remember what Travis's best magic stats are. Uh, I, I think Travis was very briefly using uh, primal. Primal. Um, primal is the best, and it's okay. not very good. Okay. So you've got primal. You can also entreat a luminary, and you can make a sacrifice to potentially upgrade this check. Can I pull a luminary first to see what I get and then decide if I want to do a sacrifice? Yeah, of course you can. I would like to do that, please. This is how All we right, got let me fetch my though. luminaries. This is literally how this happened before. You did a luminary. You tried to change. And it did bad. I mean... And you did just do really well, so you're, you're past due for... A bad roll. A bad one. A bad draw. That's uh-huh. very true. <laughs> well, I, I was shuffling, and one of the luminaries just popped out of the deck face up, uh, so I feel like that's a sign. And that one was the Union, which is clearly not going to show up on my background filtering thing. I don't know why I tried to show everybody. Uh, but <laughs> that's kind of a little significant and spooky. Let me just pull up. The luminaries here. The onion. The onion. <laughs> Briefly employing Liz Anderson. Um, Excuse me. <laughs> I'm currently. I, I don't know the nature of those uh, contributor contracts. So, <laughs> okay. The union, also known as the communion, uh, its themes are fulfillment, harmony, wholeness, and love. The union binds people and things together. This luminary draws separate things into a stronger whole capable of feats greater than the sum of its parts. It can only act when there is desire, cooperation, and existing bonds. Magicians all respect love as an indubitably powerful force. The union is the expression of love's power. Friends, families, and lovers are never stronger than when they are in the light of the union. Well, <laughs> uh, I think I think I know specifically s- s- 
who's I think I want to specifically invoke the love and union between Travis and the Forest Queen to do this. Fuck! Oh, that's cool. (laughs) And like you very recently talked about that. Uh, Mm -hmm. So yeah, that that was one of your confessions. So I, I think that is going to, it's so thematically appropriate for the moment. I think that will upgrade this two times. So then two of my greens will become yellers? Yes. And you still have the decision of whether or not you would like to make a sacrifice in this moment as well. I don't, I don't, I don't think I need to. Looking at this pool here before I roll, I don't think I need to. Cool. A good pool to swim in. That is... Uh, two failures and two advantages. Okay. Um, I don't think you manage to fully become a snake as it is spring and it is the season of the snake. I think you are racked with pain for a, a little bit and your advantages are going to be two qualities of a snake that you get to have with you. But like, I I think those two failures, I will deal that to you as damage to your wounds. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. So two damage. Yeah. Two damage and maybe be in a little bit, the middle picture from an anamorphs cover. Ugh. That's so much worse than <laughs> and it having worked. <laughs> but you do, I, I think what I'm going to give to you, uh, I think part of what the advantage breaks down to is Travis's skin because the animals that he turns into are all very pale and white. Travis's skin, maybe, may, maybe instead of you picking two animal things, you get to pick one because I'll assign one to you. Uh, Travis's skin turns sickly pale white, so you will look a little bit like a drowned sailor. Oh, uh, and then Ooh. the other one, I, I uh, eat mice. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I mean, what if what if it's just like a heightened uh, sort of uh, like perception? You know, like how uh, snakes can like taste the air with their tongues. I think that that's kind it. of thing. Maybe I think you can literally be able taste- to sense. You can taste the air with your tongue and sense like other creatures and whatnot. Oh, that's really creepy and weird. Uh, I think your tongue like does that little uh, thing. Uh, Yeah. So you got that little forked thin tongue. It won't impact your ability to speak as uh, your animal parts never do. But like (laughs) you can do that and it's a little weird and it hurts so much to get you there. (laughs) I feel like when – I feel like it just hurts – to be like this. Oh, yeah. Mm. Ooh, nasty. I I, th- I think that since he couldn't finish um he's he's stuck between but I think that he realizes that this is it is more advantageous to stay like this than to like go back to being a human. Right. right. So he's just like dealing through the pain to be able to Go kill Gable. 
Uh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool, and I love it. So, yeah, I, I, I think every round that you hang out like this will deal you a strain. So I'll cool. give you an incentive to ship sift back at certain points, but like you can sense people and you look more like a drowned sailor right now. So because you look a little slimy and pale, they're probably not going to fuck with you. Cool. Let's turn to the battle on the staircase with Gable. I think I'm going to have the sailors act first as they are going to just... What I think they're going to do is rather than be in a fight with the Uhuru crew, they're really trying to push packs past so they can get more of their forces into Nordia. Uh, so they're, they're trying to make a big charge where they're not really concerned with defending themselves so much as fighting on the run so they can get towards the more vulnerable civilians uh, that they need to get to. So that is going to be two successes and one threat. What I think is happening, the threat I'm going to deal to their group as damage, as they are able to charge and start, like, there, I think more harpoons shoot up and stick into those barricades and start pulling them down and aside, clearing a path for their forces. They're going to charge through, but not really at the Uhuru crew members who are swashbuckling with them on the staircase. So the Uhuru crew is just cutting them down left and right as they ascend because they're not really defending themselves. They're just trying to throw enough people at the problem that they can kind of overwhelm defenses and move against civilians. So the Uhuru crew is damaging them as they go. And so for every disadvantage they got, which was unfortunately only one disadvantage, they are as a group going to take damage. But yeah, as they are moving this mass of them forward, they're being cut down left and right. And we can see there's still a very strong procession of them moving up the beach towards the staircase and their their numbers are flowing around and through members of the Uhuru crew pushing past the barricade and entering the lowest rungs of Upper Nordia. We'll turn to Gable now. Gable, you and your contingent of pirates are fighting hard, but there are still sailors making it through. What do you do? Between the attention that is being paid to my friends on the boat and the ones that have already made it, my intention is to draw attention. So I'm going to try and make the biggest melee attack that I can. Yeah. Mm. And see if I can take out a huge number of people that's kind of hard to ignore. So, oh shit. Can I use quick strike on this? Because they... Yeah, I think so. They're not fighting you, so you're They're not fighting first. Yeah. Okay, so that is my pool. I've built versus what? Uh, so this is the the normal difficulty for melee is two purple dice. Uh, there are no leaders amongst them right now, so it just stays two purple. Okay. 
That is one, two, three, four, five advantages. Whoa. Five advantages and no successes. Five advantages and no successes. Okay, so what you were trying to do is draw their attention. Okay, okay, here's what we're going to do. It's not being dealt as damage to the main force of drowned sailors, but I think Gable, you know, is in the middle of the angels' battle dance whirling around the battlefield, cutting down drowned sailors left and right. Uh, And they are doing it in a showy way. Uh, They are trying to cover as much of the stairs as possible uh, while, while doing this. It is a grand display. Gable, being a seven-foot-tall person on the battlefield, is trying to make themselves as big and imposing as possible. And what I think a lot of the advantages can translate to, and Liz, if you have ideas for this, uh, you you can let me know, but I, I think you are going to slow the procession a little bit with this, maybe even noticeably, um, okay. which Ooh, is kind of idea. what... Okay, yeah, what is your idea? Uh, give them a black die for every attack that's not against me. Oh, I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah that, that's easy. So, yeah. That will take up pretty much all five of the advantages. So if they're trying to push past like like they did in the last roll, they would have a black die to it, which is great. The thing that I think that the failure is, you actually do cause a bit of a delay and they respond to it. But instead of responding to it by focusing the attention of the procession on you, you can see... There is another lightning flash and a kind of blue-green haze fills the air. There, There is this light glowing and you can see a couple of drowned sailors have this light glowing around them. And then in a sound of intermingled screams and crashing waves, five drowned sailors are drawn together and it sort of forms up into a figure. It is a thin man with wild eyes and death pale skin with a long beard and a mad-eyed expression that glows that same blue-green ghost light. And, you know, we could make you roll knowledge forbiddens for this sort of thing, but I do just want to tell you, you recognize this as one of the other heralds that the Mariner keeps. This is Ahab the Mad. He holds a harpoon in his hand. It is long and gnarly looking. He extends the harpoon to you, issuing a challenge. And so instead of getting the procession of sailors to pay attention to you, you have drawn out one of the heralds to fight you personally, which could be a little bit of a problem. Uh, we'll see about that.
We return once again to the captain's quarters aboard the Uhuru, which is currently filled with mailbag upon mailbag with letters addressed to the Uhuru and its crew. All right, uh, we got a new one here. Dear Uhuru, everywhere I look, people are talking about it. It's in the news, on the grapevine, in hushed whispered and shady speakeasies. Himbos. Now we all know what a himbo is. A man who is altogether at once kind, beefy, and not the sharpest tool in the shed. They must be all three at once, lest they simply be a jock, a hunk, or simply a decent man. We love himbos. They are a slave to this hateful world in a time of need. We also know of the mystical thembo, uh, such as our own beloved Gable. Oh, you got a shout out this one gable that's nice who is this uh, but we are left with <laughs> dastardly quandary how do you categorize a woman who meets the aforementioned criteria a bimbo is an insult and not an exaltation uh, one would never call the dearest princess scorpia of the arachnid dynasty a bimbo uh, please won't you do us all a service and solve this crisis with warmest regards, bewildered in Bougeneath. I'm very insulted. Now this is this is interesting because I can't think of another sort of uh, lexical phenomenon where the root word is uh, like an insult, and then there are all of these words that have come from it that are not, and then you need to find a not insult to mean the same thing as the root word. <laughs> It's challenging. It uh, language is is an ever shape shifting monstrosity. Wow, that was beautiful, Spit. You rang. <laughs> I didn't realize that so many people thought I was stupid. I don't I mean, think I'm stupid. Well, that's that's sort of a symptom of the thing. That's, yeah, you know? I was going to say. <laughs> I was under the impression that the term was more. Of, Having to do with a lack of guile, uh, someone who is strong but guileless and will, would never hurt you and also sometimes doesn't know how to spell stuff. Like, Gable, could you do me a favor and tell me what the word guile means? Yeah, I was going to ask that too. <laughs> guile is a word that I read in a newspaper and it means... Uh, so I don't want to put Gable on trial any more than they already necessarily need to be. Uh, I think, Gable, you've proven the letter writer's point well enough. You don't need to, to try any harder. Also, to, to I'm going to need that return address because I will kill this person. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss here because it, it, it is... Difficult. We celebrate and love the himbo and the thembo, uh, but I feel like the the bimbo has been dealt short shrift. Though I will point out that the the prefix of that word bim doesn't really imply a feminine gender, does it? No, well, I... them and him do imply gender, right? So maybe it's somewhere in that area. 
Like a herbo a does shimbo. sound bad. Herbo. herbo. Herbo sounds like herbo. a like a bad herbo robot. Fully loaded. Herbo. Herbo sounds like a weird like 1940s like TV show. Oh, there goes Herbo. Well, see now I, I'm I'm more in line with Gable. It sounds like a bad robot, like a, a 1990s robot. Uh, toy that was developed uh, maybe in '97, and you know, made to 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 really sweep the holiday season. I've 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 looked up BIM, uh, in my uh, how uh, don't make an excuse for it. <laughs> you told the bird. <laughs> what if you can just like use crows like Wikipedia? Yes. Where you oh, go, yeah, yeah. Crow, each, each crow knows exactly one thing. About this. So I yeah, asked a crow. Careful, all right. Who, who asked those, another crow? Those crows have uh, questionable sources. Well, they're crows. They're stupid. Of course not. They, they're not going to do scientific method. Uh, BIM stands for Building Information Modeling. So what? you've got that. No. What? No, I found I found what I think to be a better thing. <laughs> and that's <laughs> the Travis that, story. No, the crows have told me that bimbo was originally a slang term for an unintelligent or brutish man. Oh. Get out of town. So then why did they Is it, did it get past it comes it comes from the Italian word, you know, from Japan. 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 <laughs> Bimbo, a masculine gender term that means a male baby or a young male child. Oh, like a Bambino. Uh, sure, maybe Bambino is like... like a um version of Bambino. Uh, yeah. Oh. But I'm... I, so that... Well, I, I guess I'm... I'm now curious of how it transitioned into a negative connotation for women. That's oh, I, that, I hate the patriarchy. The answer is probably the eighties. The eighties just ruined a lot of things. <laughs> mm. Well, if you're going to wear sneakers to the office, <laughs> this is what you get. <laughs> okay, okay. So I, I think Bim is clearly the troublesome part of this word, right? BIM is not testing well. No. BIM, correct. <laughs> uh, so we, we, so we've, we've tried Herbo. That, that doesn't work. That's bad. Uh, <laughs> she, she, Shebo. Nope. Shebo sounds Shibo like a spin-off. Fembo sounds like I Fembo. I don't hate Fembo. Fembo? Also sounds like a robot, though. Yeah, uh, that's true. Uh, I'm sorry, a, a clockwork. Powers. Whatever the fuck. <laughs> Good save. <laughs> Way to keep it in the universe. <laughs> there was a there was a moment there where we were in real trouble, and then you came in with clockwork, whatever the fuck, and all of a sudden it's totally appropriate. I will never be blamed any for of- breaking the reality of this show. <laughs> Did any of you ever play the the Thief video games? With the, I huh? think I played the one. Thief series? That nah. uh it took place in sort of a a fictionalized, I guess, uh, maybe Victorian setting, maybe something a little before Victorian. I don't know shit. But <laughs> they did have robots that were steam powered and it was very fun. I'm glad that we absorbed that bit of information. That's going to help us 
solve this letter and close this segment. <laughs> we could just throw out the roots altogether and just have it be like a proper noun that like this we, person that, is a just bow? like a name that, that we Deborah yes or <laughs> or perhaps like a truck or something that's not a proper noun but what about and this one's bad as well wobo 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 <laughs> I actually it don't. sounds sad. You've got woe in there. <laughs> Thembos and himbos are such happy things, you know? Yeah, there there is a sort of happy-go-lucky-ness to it all. We could do weebo. 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 Like, wee! Well, that's, that's, that's someone that's, who's very into anime. <laughs> you know, oh, shoot, I forgot that was Japan. a real one. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I don't. I. I mean, this is also bad. I don't like ger, ger, gerbo. Gerbo. No. <laughs> gerbo. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm submitting it and retracting it in the same breath. <laughs> gerbo is very bad. <laughs> but I don't think we're gonna get to a good one. I think we need to find the no, worst one. The, the only the only other one that I can think of is is Lebo, and that's I don't like that either. Lebo. Yeah. No, that's that lady, like lady labia switches. Labia, isn't it? <laughs> it's labia adjacent, yes. <laughs> I feel like Fembo was the least objectionable. I like truck. <laughs> and then there's truck. You know, I, I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll back Gable on this. I'll, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put my stamp. That no one's asking for my opinion, but fem, but truck. <laughs> I mean, the letter did explicitly ask for your opinion, so. <laughs> All right, but I mean, like, in the grander scheme, no one, you don't need my opinion on this one, but uh, I'm going to go with the truck. <laughs> I right, go with Travis, F-150. How do you feel about truck? I don't care for it. No, but it, it, um, we'll, we'll go with John. It's, and it's Ford F-150, for sure. <laughs> okay, Does so it have a Hemi? Ooh. Now, wait a minute. Wait, what wait that? a minute. He- what if it's Hemi? He- <laughs> or yes. Hermy? <laughs> I feel like we're making a new word. We are. We are. That's explicitly what all right, this has all right, to all right, be all right, all right. at the end of the day. What about Maybo? Maidbo? Like a maiden? Maybo. Maybo? Maybo. Maybe Maybo. I feel like I could get behind Maybo. It, it does sound like um, th- uh, in New England, there's a type of like uh, sweet oatmeal type cereal called Maypo. I don't mm. know if anyone's aware of that. And I feel like a sweet oatmeal type cereal of a person is kind of what we're describing in a way. Oh, you want us to end. That's what you're doing. <laughs> want us to wrap we, it up. <laughs> I think we found it. I think it's Mabo. <laughs> I don't I think we should keep on spitting it. Just keep on throwing that ball. Keep it in the yeah, air. We've got, yeah. we've got the room for another 45 minutes. <laughs> Miss Bo? Miss, Miss Bo. Bo. All right, I go with Mabo. Miss Bo? Ford F-150. <laughs> 
All right, you know, we're obviously not going to resolve this here. There's too much at stake for us to figure this one out. We gotta, we gotta leave this one to the philosophers. I think. Fair. All right. All right. <laughs> let's just uh, let's let's uh, get the return address. Uh, Gable, I am going to kill them for sure. Gable can go. Yes, so we can at least get some closure on the on the matter. <laughs> <laughs> Campaign Skyjacks is a one shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter at at Campaign Pod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Like OneShot. Take it from me, heroes. The most fun way to learn about new games is to listen to them get played. Every week on OneShot, I, your host, James D'Amato, bring you actual play recordings with a talented cast of improvisers, game designers, and other notable nerds. Each month features a new group trying a new system, exploring a wide variety of genres. The stories are self-contained, so you can jump in anywhere. And it's a great way to find new games. Discover the magic of RPGs with OneShot on your favorite podcast app. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore. Or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matago was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs or on his podcast, Dilettante Ball. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this production was composed and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find Arnie on Twitter at A-R-N-E P-A-R-R-O-T-T. And you can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, spelled C-A-S-E-Y-P-O-N-E-Y. Or on his own podcast, Neoscum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The world of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and the card game Illimat, property of Together Studios. The game used in this production is a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system that was created by a talented group of game designers who were fired by a private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. There are no kings. Take flight, heroes. Strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends ne'er to rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky.